0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Esports Next podcast. I am thrilled to be joining as the host for season three, along with my co-hosts. We are gonna be interviewing speakers, sponsors, and attendees of the Esports Trade Association Conference in Chicago. So if you're looking to understand who will be at the conference and what they're all about, tune in, come join us. All right, welcome to another episode of the Esports Next podcast. It is my pleasure, alongside my lovely co-host, Megan Van Petten, to welcome our two guests today. We have Chris Silbernagel and we have Jeff Gaduck from Publisher Sports Planning Guide. Uh, Jeff serves as the president of Premier Travel Media, which is the publisher of Sports Planning Guide. And we have Chris, who is a writer and an editor Thank you for joining us, gentlemen. Great, great, great to Thanks for having Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Well, one thing that you, your expertise, one thing that you focus on, which is great leading in the esports space, which we're excited to talk about, we're excited to have you at the esports next conference, is travel, right? Is travel around sports, travel around esports. Why don't you start off by giving us a little bit of an idea of what does that look like from the traditional sports perspective? Yeah,
1: yeah. So I I think one of the cool things, um, and first of all, thanks for having us on, John and Megan. Um, One of the cool things is we've had a a real front row seat to the exponential growth of sports tourism. When we started this uh, publication back in 2009, There was an industry, but it wasn't really well-organized. It was not super well-developed. There was a lot of people kind of flying by the seat of their pants, so to speak, and um, putting events together that, in in some circumstances, had no business putting events together. Uh, But really, um, as the industry has matured And as money has flowed into the sector, uh, we've seen really the professionalization of sports tournaments around the country. Um, That's, you know, not only in the rights holders that are uh, developing events, um, the governing bodies uh, from the Olympic level, um, but specifically uh, the massive development, and Chris can certainly speak to this of the facility segment um, that has really spurred this growth. And I think what's changed is that you know while travel is a a, a massive component of it, um, when you talk about these facility developments, it's about economic impact, and and we sort of we sort of shifted the focus away from, yeah, it's it's just travel sports. Now these are economic engines for different communities.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, something that um is true that Jeff, you have been at the beginning of this, you know, sport kind of sports travel industry, and we're seeing a lot of the same things happening in esports. And so while there's a lot of confusion, maybe there's a lack of empirical knowledge in the space, those who have been at the same growth phase in other industries a lot of times are saying, hey, you know, I may not know everything about the space, but there's some really important uh things here that I've seen before that we know are coming and we can um get ready for those things to help the industry grow. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Nobody can really predict the future, but it has so many of the elements that we saw in some of these traditional sports that started to mature and develop. And if you just look at the sheer numbers of players in the esports arena, um, you know, I have used this Phrase over the last couple of months since we announced the partnership with you folks is you know what is it like eighty three to eighty seven percent of high school kids do e gaming, yeah okay and I say okay how many of them play high school baseball, what percentage, two one I don't know right so just, sure. just your 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 pool of available talent for events is so massive that there's no way the industry's not gonna grow as long as we just facilitate that and we be good stewards of it and kind of help sure. those folks that are involved in the business you know, learn their way through it. It's gonna take time, nothing happens overnight.
2: You know, I love what you said, Jeff, about being good stewards of it. Specifically, I think the best thing that the association has done is support chapters on a local to global level I've never seen anything like it, and and having seen it since we launched in January, how fast it's grown. And it's just been delightful to say, oh, you want to do that? Here. Here's a real helpful infrastructure for that. You know, go at it.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, John, we had a conversation, uh, was it last week, about sort of the the eSports industry and how it's different than... The traditional sports industry, where in and you know, take my example of baseball, you start at the pee level and little league level, and then you work up to traveling yes. teams and and state and national. Where esports started as a, on a national stage or an international stage, I should say, right and that's what makes what I think you're doing so smart, Megan. Is you're sort of you're bringing it back down to a local level where people certainly recognize the value of the international aspect, and that should be a, a massive appeal to anybody um, but the grassroots is where things get done as as you recognize right and mm-hmm. if you can build that into and get communities around it um, that's where you're going to see that next phase
3: Absolutely.
0: yeah and Jeff you mentioned our our partnership we'll get into that in just a few and we'll bring Chris into that conversation who is a a key component of that um, Something that is unique about esports, as we're talking about this topic, is it's so global. Um, you know, we, we we see other traditional sports that are nationwide, but it is rare outside of, let's say, maybe soccer, that uh, a sport is, is this global. Does that either create opportunity or create more complexity uh, and more questions to try to
1: figure this thing out? Well, well, Chris is the soccer guy, so he can maybe explain what yeah. else.
3: <laughs> I mean, it depends because, you know, soccer is, you know, you take a ball out into a field and you kick it around and you can play it. In video games, yeah. you need a TV, you need the, the console, you need a PC, you need, if you're going to esports, you need the venue for it, or at least a local place that will have all of the equipment that people need to do that. But that said, it's becoming more globalized in the sense that everyone can get into it. I like to say that, you know, people like specific sports, like, you know, soccer is obviously the most popular sport in the world, but it's still a selective thing. Not everyone likes soccer. A lot of people like baseball. A lot of people like et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of video games, it's not really in that category. So video games and gaming in general and esports, it's kind of its own machine. It's its own... Ran and it can kind of coincide with both, where you have a lot of people that will like I don't like baseball, but I like football, but you have a lot of people who like football and like esports and vice mm. versa for anything else. It's a huge, huge market to work with.
0: Interesting. You know, we talked a little bit about the uh, or touched on the economic impact of things. The, the The space we're at in esports right now, a lot of people are calling it esports winter, where there's some struggle with the monetization, sustainable business models. We're seeing some teams either go out of business, be, be acquired or, or layoffs happening to, to uh, reduce some costs. It, we're really in need of some great economic impact and finding multiple opportunities to drive monetization. Can either or both of you share a little bit about, from the traditional sports perspective, how you have seen um, travel, media, drive, monetization.
1: Yeah, I I, I could certainly speak to that. I I think that when we saw this this phase of growth in sports tournaments, uh, this was going back to maybe the early to mid teens, 20 teens, um, it was all around sort of the structure of how the sports started to develop. And, they started packaging elements together versus just show up for the tournament. You know, it's gonna be this weekend. Now you had hotels that were cooked into the program. You had meals that were cooked into the program, obviously a registration fee. And once you stabilize sort of the rights holder element of that, the event organizer, um, and they they had cash flowing in, um, they were able to build in their infrastructure. And then with that came online registration and bookings. And keep in mind that the majority of the sports growth is in that youth sector, um, but that's typically being funded by the parents. Um, I don't know if that's as true in esports, but that could certainly be um, as this industry matures, we see more and more of that. But um, that sort of family unit that's traveling to Cleveland for a soccer tournament and they're driving six hours, they've really bought a travel package, just like you would go to Expedia and buy a a travel package. So that, uh, by sort of bundling that together, um, and then the other thing that it did from the local city perspective is... Um, it gave them tracking because now the event organizer can come back and say, we were in town this weekend. You might not have seen us because we weren't in the convention center. Or we weren't at the museum, but by the way, we occupied 632 room nights and the average hotel room in Cleveland was $119 a night. And, you know, the, that whole, this whole industry operates off of hotel taxes. And, you know, for, for those uh, in the audience that um, aren't quite as familiar Next time you check out of a hotel, get your bill and look at all the taxes that are on there and excise fees. And that's all funding the development of this. So um, but Mm. it starts by going back to the Convention Visitors Bureau. So by packaging that together, giving a reporting tool, people all of a sudden started to pay attention. And this this is a massive industry that we've not been paying attention to.
0: Yeah, I think as well, you know, you touched on uh, going from the, the professional ranks to what is now emerging as amateur esports and, and youth esports. And so while you do see some economic impact from, uh, let's say, the, the optic major in Dallas for Call of Duty, where uh, they're ho- holding a, hosting a homestand, a lot of the local community is going to that arena. Some people like Megan Van Penton, are flying in from Chicago uh, for that. But when you look as amateur youth esports is growing, uh, leagues like XP League, for example, they do a big North American finals that's happening in Orlando. And all these kids and their families are all flying to Orlando, staying there, um, eating, um, you know, hotels, everything. And that's, going to provide an even greater impact and then the more that happens then we start to see that traditional revenue trying to drive it It kind of sounds like what you're saying there
1: it absolutely does I think at the same time, though, too, John, is I don't want to discount the benefit to the local community events, because I think that's a huge opportunity as well. Mm -hmm. And everything shouldn't have a dollar sign attached to it. That's the engine that drives it, fortunately or unfortunately. But, um, you know, thinking about, you know, building strength in your community, building community assets. Um, that's a great way to start this, especially with the the grassroots uh, perspective that that Megan brought up earlier. Um, And it's got to start somewhere, right? So um, you can't just have national events without having local events. And if you take a page from how um, the traditional sports market has worked, it started with that Little League Baseball tournament on a Saturday in Palatine, Illinois, and it just sort of grew out from there. Yeah,
2: and I think... Jeff, this might be a good segue into um, a lot of people don't even know what they don't even know. a lot of a lot of businesses, um, coaches, um, um, communities don't realize the travel industry and the opportunities for tax incentives and all sorts of benefits that you can have by um, booking or calling your CVB first? Is that something that you would want to talk about? Is that something that's in your book? Because I feel like, boy, when, when somebody's planning something, John, like Jay, mm-hmm. I know they know at XP League, I know they know they're working with the CBB. Mm-hmm. I, I know they know that. But there are folks that don't. So, what do you think they should know? Is that something in your book? Is that something we should talk about when you're here at eSports Next speaking as a um, expert at our roundtable about that? Um, how How can we give a little bit of a tease as to what um, people will come and learn about?
1: Yeah, so I, I, that's that's an awesome point. and and um, you know, Chris and I work with convention visitors bureaus on a daily basis. Um, there's different names for them in the industry, CVBs. Um, sports commission, sports commission, is is basically a, a dedicated arm of a, a local convention a visitors bureau. And the, the way I would first position it is it's free advice. Okay. Um, you know, if you can have a helping hand, wherever you're going, of someone who can point you in the right direction and make connections for you better than any online service can do, why wouldn't you use that? Whether your right. event is, is, you know, big, medium, or small, um, the people that work in these organizations, and, you know, Chris, you know, backed me up on this, and they extend an open welcome that to you, and to do whatever they can to make sure that that your event is welcome there.
3: They do. Um, these are generally always people you can just reach out to at any time, like Jeff said. it's They're just renowned for being friendly and open and, and helpful with any types of questions you have about venues, with our, whether you have a question about how you're going to operate your event there. Um, they're the number one resource to go reach out to. Um, one in particular that I've uh, uh, spoken to recently was Igor bakovic from uh, DuPage Sports Commission, which is a part of the DuPage County CVB. Yeah. And, um, you know, despite Despite how busy they get, like Igor gets, um, he's a recent award winner at Sports ETA Symposium. um, And they're still on the ball to get everything they need out to you within a reasonable amount of time. They'll always tell you, they'll always update you. They're fantastic people. Um,
0: And what is is the best way to get in touch? Is that um, individually? Is there a resource uh, through you guys or how would you recommend we get in touch with these people?
3: So we have a research on the Sports Planning Guide website through our destinations. So people, for example, if you go on our website, sportsplanningguide.com, you do have the DuPage County Sports Commission listed there, which has facilities and information. And we have Igor Bakovic's um, direct email and contact information. So you can do that. You, usually the best way is to contact them either by email or by phone. The phone number is also listed on there. Um, and they, like I said, if they're busy, if they're out of office or something, they might have someone there to get back to you right away, or they might get back to you within a short amount of time. It, it's, it's usually the best way of going about it is email or phone.
1: Uh, I think social as well, right? I think we've got social handles on the... That you, too, yes. For that. Um, and then, Megan, to your point about sort of, you know, funds, uh, many states do have grant funds for events. Um, everyone is different, so it's impossible to give, you know, specific advice, um, on, you know, where to go for that, but, you know, Indiana has, um, uh, funding specifically for hosting events, Florida has funding for hosting events, um, They usually want to have some sort of a track record um, that you know that what you say you're going to do, you're actually going to do. Um, And then they also love new events. Okay, so in fact, that's sort of written into the charter uh, for them is that we want to bring new business and not just give rebates to you know those that have that have been here before. But I I wouldn't go into a scenario if you're a new event organizer, you're trying to grow your event, thinking that that's going to be a home run. Um, But Um, I alluded earlier to sort of packaging of sports events. Um, The byproduct of that is when event organizers started packaging those elements together, they started getting rebates from hotels. So for every time that your players are staying in hotels, there's a commission that goes back to the event organizer. And it's not funny business, it's the money that they were gonna pay anyway. Uh, but the travel industry in its inner circle works off of a commission basis. That's how travel advisors work, that's how tour operators work, is that there's sort of a retail rate and if it's booked through an entity, there's a um, sort of a, either a net rate or a commissionable rate and part of that reward for bringing that business in is the event operator would receive a hotel rebate from that and you know the bigger your event becomes the longer people stay the more money you make on that and that certainly helps from that process. So that should be available really to anybody coming along. And if you do have one of those up and coming or marquee events um, that you're looking to place, I would absolutely look to these different state groups and see um, if you might be able to qualify for any sort of a a grant fund.
2: So I have a question. Um, I have seen some of y'all's magazines. They're great. I love your work. I love your company and i love that you're in sweet home chicago and you're our partner so when i looked at the film magazine for the film industry mm-hmm. i was able to see almost every state and the grant they would give in your magazine yep if you did a film in that state do you ever see esports getting that
1: organized um film is a unique animal Um, And and the the reason I say that is because um, these film incentives are usually passed at a state level. Um, They're usually multi-year programs, and they're done under the guise of um, sort of economic employment. Okay. And I'll I'll give Illinois because we're we're both in Illinois here. So Illinois recently passed a new film incentive, uh, very lucrative. And there is, as a result of it, there's a lot of productions being shot in Illinois. Um, We met with the Illinois Film Office about a month ago, and they're processing about 500 permits a year now um, for film production. Okay. Um, There are some people traveling in for that, But so much of that is the crew base, the grips, uh, the camera, uh, the the off air talent is that they're using this to build their employment base. So um, I can tell you that compared to the film industry, and I think it's a great analogy, um, the sports market is not nearly as aggressive in its its, rebates and such on a statewide level, but um, if you fish around for it enough, you can find them on an individual basis. It's just not as cut and dry. As, and that, as the film was, industry.
2: that was my vision for Esports Next Magazine, which mm. we'll go into talking about that everyone's going to get when they come to the conference. But my vision, my dream, was that you would open up and say, oh my gosh, so which state should I go to for my event? Or which state should I consider? Because what state has the best tax credit? Because mm. that's what some of these um, these majors or, you know, scholastic events and competitions need, they need the money and they, you know, their, their teachers are tired. (laughs) You know, there's just a lot of solution there for those grants. Go ahead, John.
0: Yeah, no, I was going to say one example, great example is the state of Georgia, which our good friend is Sante Bradford, who was the first recipient of the Game Changer Award at our first eSports Next uh, conference. I was actually just on the phone with him the other day. And they took those very well known tax incentives and credits, similar to what we're discussing in Illinois. A lot of pe- people in the, the production world know that Georgia offers uh, rather lucrative um, incentives as well. And they've applied that to esports productions that have a broadcast component.
1: Oh, I love it. Yeah. 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 Yep.
0: yeah. And um, so that's one of those reasons why you're seeing Georgia really emerge. Um, alongside Los Angeles, Dallas, other places saying, Hey, if you do your event here. And so, um, you know, that's one of the things I'm so excited about um, our partnership and the, all this traditional knowledge, this, this industry knowledge, uh, Jeff and Chris, that you guys are bringing to this industry where, you know, we see that the esports industry is very knowledgeable about culture and gaming and consumer behavior. But some of these other things, like, municipality tax incentives <laughs> yep, yep. maybe aren't on the radar. And by with the monetization challenges we're seeing, it's like, guys, let's not just save some money, but let's make some money. Absolutely. And bringing people together like yourselves and our membership really makes the best of both worlds.
1: And in, in in what you're referring to, Megan, is um, on a statewide level, and that certainly exists, um, but individual CVBs and sports commissions, not all of them, but certainly some of them, um, will pay, uh, rights fees to host events. Again, um, they, they want some assurance that what you're doing is actually going to bring in, because, uh, you know, they need to somehow, uh, justify this. So it's going to bring in travelers. It's going to bring in, you know, people eating in restaurants and buying souvenirs and things like that. So, um, it's just, it's much more of a wild, wild west than, uh, the film industry, which is, you know, really structured through the state as far as we're going to give a 30% tax credit. There's um, sometimes it's a check. Other times you actually get a credit. You have to spend money um, and you have to employ local talent. It's it's government. So it's red tape, right? Nothing's ever as clean as it should be. Um, But um, I don't know that we're ever going to find it as structured at that. But it's absolutely, if you you have an up and coming event, it's something you should be talking to your your host destinations about to, to unburden yourself of some of the costs of putting these events together.
2: That's just gold right there. That's just gold right there. Yes.
0: Well, we've mentioned and kind of teased a little bit, I think, about our partnership. So I think we should uh, let the audience know, let the listeners know exactly (laughs) what we've been uh, touching on there. So, uh, Chris, why don't you talk to us about insight from Esports Next and what we're doing with this partnership?
3: Sure. So we're really excited to be involved in this with Esports Trade Association. Um, We're taking that Esports Next branding and evolving it even more. We're taking it with Insight by Esports Next, which is a monthly newsletter. It'll cover tech, uh, member spotlights within ESTA, uh, Esports Trade Association, um, all kinds of stuff. We'll have the podcasts on there, videos. It'll cover all types of uh aspects around uh, Esports and ESTA as well. But we're also really excited about the Esports Next guide, uh, although we've Tentatively, it could be guide or magazine. I think we haven't decided on that official name yet, but we'll call Esports Next Guide. Esports Next Guide is going to have research, really in-depth articles. We're going to have member spotlights as well. We're going to have a membership listing so people can get all the information on on that. We're going to actually also be covering like esports facilities so people can get an idea of where they can host an esports event. All types of information, and we're really, really excited about jumping into these projects. Actually, today the first ever uh, release for Esports Next uh, Insight by Esports Next uh, released, so it was sent out today. Yes, we are very excited.
0: It's a great step, first step down the road uh, of delivering, you know, education, information, support to our community. One thing that I love about this is a couple of things. One is it's a pretty robust guide. You know, it's not just yeah. one topic or or no. one vertical within the industry, but it's kind of a everything you need to know for this year, um, how to guide you through esports. Um, the other thing I really like about it is having something tangible. Yeah. You know. In today's digital world, it's kind of like when somebody mails you a letter and you're like, wow, someone took the time and the effort to <laughs> pick out a letter and write, rather than just you know, chat GPT me an email uh, <laughs> that they didn't think twice about. Um, talk a little about that, just the tangible aspect and, and the publishing aspect of this guy.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, John. I think that, um... When everything starts going so far in one direction and we get, you know, we get so locked into, I'm kind of showing my phone over here, uh, we get so <laughs> locked into one form of communication, just presenting something in a little different format. Um, what they say about print would make it unique is it's sort of a lean back medium, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're all day, we're just, you know, churning through Emails and chat and Slack messages and, like you said, we're crafting emails and chat GPT. You know, this is an opportunity to to learn something new, um, to hear from experts, to get a little bit different perspective, and to really open people's eyes on a subject matter that should be important to them. Um, you know, that being said, um, if you like to read digital magazines, we have that, you know, if you want to get the content through social media, Chris and his team will publish content through social media. So the the, the, the guide that we produce will be truly platform agnostic. So whether you love reading print, or you want to do it on your phone, you'll have that option. But I think that in, in certainly research, you know, it proves this out is that um, for specialty print, you know, we're not talking about bringing back Sports Illustrated on a weekly basis and, you know, having that become a juggernaut again, but specialty print where you it's more timeless and it's, it's more insightful, um, there's definitely a spot for that. I mean, we've got a 400-page sports planning guide that, um, you know, Chris talks to readers and they're like, yep, this sits on my desk year round. So when mm-hmm. I need to find facilities or destination, this is the guide that I use they're also sitting next to their computer. So they could use that. It's just, this is a little bit different.
0: Yeah. And, you know, not only is there that value of, you know, having something that is tangible to to learn from, but there's a lot of value in being in this guide, whether that's as a sponsor, whether that's as somebody who's being interviewed or your, your company being highlighted. What are some of the ways that people who are listening to this episode and they say, man, I want to get in that guide. How can how can they do
3: that directly to me? I'll tell you right now, you can reach me at Chris at ptmgroups.com. dot com. I'm always willing to take anyone's questions that they have. Um, we're looking for people who want to write, people who want to be interviewed, people who want to be involved directly in some way. Any way you want to be involved, just just send me an email. I'm happy to listen and respond back to you
0: wonderful is there a, a a date is there a deadline where it's like hey make sure you get to me before this date because this guide is going to be available at this time and when we're dealing with print there's some, there's some timelines <laughs> you got to work around right
2: that's a good question i'm going to answer that we were so excited about this opportunity we've also created it digitally but there is only one print there is only one print um, once a year, you have to come to Esports Next to get it, and yeah, there's a deadline for that. So maybe we should push this show forward. And yes. then, um, based on popular readings and demand and excitement, we decided to do is it four times a year we're doing the digital, or is it every month?
1: Every month, yep, yeah. And the first edition closes for advertising, um, before the fireworks go off, so before July 4th, it's uh, an incentive to, to get people to respond. And, uh, I think there's always a benefit to being in something new, you know, there's like, Oh, what is this? I've not seen this before. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think the other, the other cool thing in just kind of circling back to print is the timeless nature. Okay. Um, we've spent 30 minutes on this call here today. How many emails have we all gotten in? And you're going to go through those really quick and you're done. And they're going to be at the bottom of your pile. You're going to act on them where that magazine's going to be sitting there. One literally that came in today that's sitting in the back. So it, it allows you to. Refer back to that at a time that's convenient for you, not at one thirty-two in the afternoon when you're in the middle of a meeting. So um, it's just it's a different way of reaching the audience. So so we we think it's going to be successful. We know this is a long-term project. It's going to take some time to build, but um, certainly you guys have been a phenomenal partner. Just love 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 what you do. Um, it's honestly it's a model for other associations in this industry. Um, And we work with with many of them. So um, I think uh, from an organizational standpoint, you guys are heading the right direction. And I'm very proud to represent you with this publication and the newsletter.
3: Absolutely, yeah. Appreciate that.
0: Just one more time, just on that timeline, do we have a specific timeline that people need to know about, or Uh, do we?
2: Fireworks, Johnny, when the fireworks go off. Fourth of July.
0: Fourth of July, perfect. (laughs) Yes. Put that on on our calendars. Speaking of the Esports Next conference, you guys are going to be there as an uh, meet the experts. Uh, you'll also be, uh, you know, there as attendees as well. I'd love to get your perspective on, you know, what are some of the things you're looking for to Esports Next, or for those listening, why should they attend?
3: I mean, I went to eSports Next last year to cover it for Sports Planning Guide, and that's the whole reason why we got in contact, was I was blown away by that experience. Just the unique experience you have at that conference. You get, you know, speakers who are giving you all the details of multiple different topics that really adhere to the business the business side of eSports, as well as many other aspects of, of, the, of the industry. Um, you also get cool things like I mean, I always, I love jerseys. I'm a jersey collector. I love that you guys put out like a special jersey. I still have mine. It's, you know, you flip the sleeve, you get plus 10 uh luck. It's those little details that are just fantastic for, for gamers and for people in general who are, who are passionate about that industry. Um, you get so much out of it. And there's so many like, Public meeting points too. I remember the the kind of like speed roundtable where people were just like changing up from one to another and then meeting each other. And I met there's some things in the industry I had never known about, like that there's dedicated uh, lawyers for esports that not only represent the teams which I kind of figured would exist, but also just like how their rights are, how they market themselves. So it's it's an excellent learning experience for anyone who also doesn't have all that knowledge or it maybe even thinks they do and then they'll just be blown away by who's there, who they'll meet, all those types of aspects.
2: I love that event, the speed networking. We've, we, we have that again this year because it's so so much, you know, so exciting, but we've also done one extra step when you're right before the speed networking, we have a, what do we call it? Meet the expert round table, John. Mm-hmm. So everyone can come in and there's a sign on, on the bank, the banquet tables. So, um, um, Jeff's might say destination, uh, travel, um, or monetization with destinations. And you can look at each table to see, oh, you know, where you want to start and who's sitting there. And then you rotate tables. Once that, once you've meet, met the experts that have their books and might sign them and you have the opportunity to purchase them, then they open up the speed, um, Kind of date working a date dating. John yeah. was the one that created this event, and it's our, it's our, it's our classic event. We were the first. I don't know how you decided to do that, John. You were probably at a dating event where there. Was, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I don't even know how you figured it out, but it's so cool because by the end of that night, night one opening reception, you have met everyone in the room.
1: That's awesome. Yeah.
2: It really is because then you're like, okay, we need to talk or, you know, there's no, there's not much chemistry, but hey, great, you know, nice to meet you and there's not, nothing to click, but at least you met that person. So it's just so powerful um, to, to uh, where did you come up with that idea, John?
0: Um, I think I, I don't know. I, I think what, what went through my mind was the realization that networking is oftentimes the most valuable part of an event. Yes. But you can oftentimes miss maybe the most valuable person who you could meet at that event. And so, the, the goal of the speed networking is be, at the very beginning of our, our two day conference is for people to just get the quick elevator pitch, just for really sure. quick say, You're complimentary to my business. Or maybe yeah. even, Hey, I know someone who you should talk to. Yeah. And then you have a better idea. Of where you want to invest your time in networking for the rest of the event. Yeah. The the other aspect that we're adding this year for the first time for Meet the Experts is the recognition that a lot of times you don't have access to the speakers and the sponsors of an event. Uh, A lot of times, you know, speakers are what drive attendance a lot of times. And you say, oh my gosh, so and so from Riot Games or Activision Blizzard or FaZe Clan or whoever, they're there. I want to go. Yep. But they are 100 feet away from you on a stage, and yep. they fly in, they walk through the back room, and then they walk back out, and they're gone. What we really want to be able to do with this conference is provide our attendees access directly to the experts on the stage and the sponsors of event. And that's what Meet the Experts is all about. I, yeah, I that's
3: think awesome. that's fantastic. Yeah. Isn't you know, it? Even- even through the networking part, I ended up meeting some of the people who spoke at last year's esports next. And through that, going back real quick to that speed networking thing. um, Yeah, you're right. Like, there were some people that, you know, you move on from, but I I think probably more than 50% of them we ended up reconnecting with over the next, uh, you know, couple hours, even maybe the next day, you know, you never know who's going to be who's going to make that that big connection that you need to either move something forward or give you new ideas to move something new forward.
0: Right. Well, when I sit down there, I just say, I know Jeff and Chris and everybody thinks I'm a big deal. So I just (laughs) (laughs) leverage your credibility so that I can build my network. That's my own strategy. Others may, you know, may have theirs.
1: We'll we'll, we'll see how that works for you, John.
0: (laughs) Find out indeed. Um, As we're coming to the uh, end of this episode. First of all, is there anything, you know, we didn't cover that you feel strongly that you, um, you'd you like our audience to, to come away with from this episode?
1: Yeah, yeah, well, only that I think this is an exciting time for the industry. And, you know, having gone through a difficult phase, um, there's always a, a reemergence and a rebirth. And um, if you look at the Economics behind the industry—it's got a very bright future, and the cream will rise to the top. So, really looking forward to to getting our feet wet in this first edition, uh, being president the conference, and. Um, you know, lending what expertise we have in the sports tourism industry um, to guiding those event operators and destinations along to forge better partnerships, because that's ultimately what this is about is relationships and partnerships. And, um, you know, there's a lot of great people in in both these industries and sort of seeing that merge together. um, I think it's going to be a really fun ride.
0: I love that. Uh, And then lastly, how can uh, people who are listening, how can they get in touch with you, in touch with your companies in the ways that you would like them to? Um,
3: You can reach out to us through sportsplanningguide.com. You can also reach us um, by phone. You can reach us on our website through that. Um, We have a sign-up form through there to subscribe to our newsletters to sign up to Esta, Uh, It's a newsletter for insight in sports next. you can get any information you want any through any of those means um you can also reach out to us directly uh, i as i said earlier my chris is, my email is chris at ptmgroups.com and jeff is jeff at ptmgroups.com we're always happy to answer any questions
1: people have and we'll be at the conference and we'll be at the conference, conference. and perfect. an
2: expert and one of our experts
0: perfect and well We really appreciate all that you guys are doing, uh, not just to support the industry, but specifically partnering with ESTA with the goal to bring people together and provide more sustainable growth for the industry. So Chris, Jeff, on behalf of Megan as well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the sports Next Podcast.
3: Thanks for having us. We appreciate it.